Welcome to the Travel Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Tuesday, August 15th. Happy Travel Tuesday, everyone. Happy National Relaxation Day. Ah, Something we all wish we could have a little bit more of, uh, especially my travel advisor listeners out there. Much love to you guys. So if you could leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. You can also contact me, podcast at travelpulse.com is the email, or call into the hotline and leave a message, 201-381-3017 is the Travel Pulse podcast number. And now joining me on the show is Nick Pena, award-winning travel advisor and franchise owner-operator at Cruise Planners. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. So I deal with a lot of high-profile, high-net-worth individuals, some athletes, some celebrities. And when people ask me what I do, I say I'm a travel advisor with a, with a twist because of the client base that I have. It's a totally different ballgame. Yes, man. Thank you for, for taking time to jump on here. We're going to talk about you know some of those high net worth travel clients and how the rich and famous travel and appear into that a little bit. And uh, Nick's going to offer up some great advice too for our fellow travel advisor listeners here on how to get those and upsell and all that good stuff. But first, as we do for every episode, in case this is the first time you're listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with... Unfortunate news as, as uh, took the travel world by storm last week was the deadly wildfires uh, devastating Maui. So travel came to a halt. Uh, Hawaii was urging travelers not to come to Maui at all. They later updated uh, their messaging to say not to come to West Maui at the time. So that's where it still stands at this moment. Uh, travelers are encouraged to donate, of course. So a, a lot going on with that as the uh, whole town pretty much just wiped out there. Very devastating. But um, travel advisors were really quick to help their clients and even even some of their non-clients. I saw some advisors out there posting like, hey, if you're having trouble, like, you know, come to me and I'll do what I can if I can do anything type of messaging, which is just great. Um, so helping people get home, rescheduling trips coming out. So Nick, did you have any clients impacted by this? I mean, it's a tragic situation for sure, but one in which travel advisors really showcase their full value. I was very fortunate in that I only had one honeymoon couple uh, that uh, was able to 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 modify everything, and so they weren't uh, ultimately impacted. And that we were able to make quick modifications to the trip. Uh, you know, I do know that travel to the area right now is just extremely discouraged. Definitely, yeah, it's uh, un- unfortunate that everything that happened. So continue to to donate if you can, and yeah, reschedule those chips out for for future dates. Because when they say it's open, you know they're they're going to need those tourism dollars to help. um, rebuild and everything too. So in other destination news, Brazil is bringing back visa requirements. So effective October 1st, Brazil will reimpose visa requirements on travelers coming from the US, Canada, and Australia. Visa requirements include a passport that's valid through the end of their planned trip to Brazil, proof of residency for non-US citizens, a letter stating the purpose of travel, payment of visa processing fees, $160 for US residents, proof of an outbound transportation ticket within 90 days of entry, Full trip itinerary with hotel, reservation, host invitation, and finally, proof of sufficient financial solvency to sustain the traveler during their visit. So, Nick, your thoughts on big news here for Brazil on bringing back the visa, or just visa travel in general, I guess. Well, in, in particular Brazil, I think because I have a large client base in South Florida, where I do have a lot of travelers to Brazil, um, you know, I can tell you, I don't think it's going to, to affect much. 
in the sense that uh, many of these people, you know, are either really passionate about the destination or they have ties or, or, or family there. And so I think it's just one of those things where like, oh, well, we have to get a visa now. I'm just going to have to do it. Um, they are making it relatively easy from what I understand. So you'll be able to secure these rather easily, you know, online. And so, you know, before to get these Brazilian visas, I had to get one myself and it was quite uh, an issue. Uh, living in Miami, fortunately, I was able to go over to the consulate uh, uh, and get one, but even still, it was quite the process. And so my understanding is that in this uh, new uh, realm of visa requirement for Brazil, they're going to make it rather easy for uh, Americans to secure these. Yes, yeah, so e-visa for sure is the, the way to go for the future here and take note other countries. That's the way to do it um, and make it seamless and, and effective there. Um, the visa travel game, you know, it seems like it's picking up, although it's, you know, the Europe thing is not a visa for anyone that was confused from um, podcast talking points last week about Europe and everything. That's not a visa. It's just an entry thing. So not to uh, confuse anyone on that, but it's just part of uh, the travel landscape and the space here as we navigate post-pandemic life and all the different changes that, that come, come with it. Jumping over to cruise news now. Um, Cruise Compete posted their latest cruise trends report on the most in-demand cruise lines, ships, ports, and destinations, and had to bring this up because Nick, you know, with cruise planners and all, so they they have uh, on their survey stuff showcasing Royal Caribbean really leading the way on ships and the cruise line is the most popular, so there's obviously a lot of hype around the icon of the seas uh, coming in 2024, a lot of people excited about that one too. They've also got Utopia as well. So as for ports and destinations, though, Cozumel and uh, Bahamas are standing out among the premium passengers, and Greece is up there for a lot of luxury travel. So Nick, being that you are with cruise planners and everything, got your pulse on the, the cruise beat, so to speak. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of cruising right now? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the icon, and I have to say the cruise line had already seen plenty of buzz ahead of the debut of the ship, but, you know, Royal Caribbean reported that it saw the largest booking day in the company's history when the reservations opened for the Icon of the Seas back in October of uh, 2022, last year, and it hasn't stopped. And just yesterday, I had a, a, a high-profile family asking for one of the suites uh, for uh, the Icon for next year, and I did find one on the sailing they wanted. There was one room left, and it happened to be one of the large suites, and the price was just, I mean, exponential, even for this client. Um, and so the fact that they can command these prices and actually went in today and the suite is already gone, somebody's already taken it. So even if my client decided they wanted to do it, it's too late, is really remarkable. So it's really indicative of how strong the cruise industry is right now and that huge demand that's there. I, I mean, almost every day I pull up sailings and there's no availability. And if there is, you know, the, the pricing is on the high side, but the consumers keep buying, keep booking. Yeah, the, some of these rooms, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars to cost in these, these suites, these extravagant suites. So they, these cruise lines continue to up their game, especially in the suite level stuff, because you get those repeat customers and especially on the high end and the luxury side of things, you get them coming back, get them trying your different cruise lines, uh, different ships within your own cruise lines. And yeah, people get really attached to those sweet life, if you, if you will. Absolutely. Sure. A lot it. of travel advisors will say, well, what's the trick or what's the magic? And I always say, and you've got to be very cautious when I'm selling suites. I'm not selling a stateroom. I don't view it as I'm selling a suite. I explain to my clients that what what you're buying when you buy a suite, you know, they do have a high price tag is you're buying an experience. So you're not just buying that larger room. You're buying that experience. As like you said, the cruise lines have upped the ante. They've upped the game. And so when you buy a suite, you're buying an experience. You're buying that VIP check-in. You're buying priority dining. You're buying many times, you know, butler service. You're buying 24-hour concierge, a private lounge, a private area. 
And so what you're buying is a, a whole experience. And, and that's the, the, I think part of the magic or the trick into, you know, uh, selling a, as many suites that sometimes perhaps I'm able to do is to make sure that I'm delivering that message to the consumer that, you know, we're talking suites. We're not just talking larger room. We're talking a whole experience. Yeah. Really elevating that cruise vacation there is, is how it is. So absolutely. Jumping over to air travel news and what's going on over there. The FAA turned over 20 unruly passenger cases to the FBI for prosecution. And as air traffic continues to increase, so does the unruly passenger behavior, unfortunately. So total air traffic in June came out from um, data from IATA. Um, It rose 31% compared to the same month one year earlier. And IATA saying, quote, thankfully, physical abuse incidents remain rare, but they did increase 61% over 2021. So that's unfortunate with the unruliness of passengers. Uh, Punishment has been ranging from monetary fines to jail time or both. Uh, Monetary fines can be up to $37,000 per violations. And you even have pilots feeling compelled to make statements now before uh, the flight even takes off as an American Airlines pilot went viral the other week for giving passengers pretty much a lecture uh, on behavior. And the gist of his speech was basically be nice, be respectful to each other and especially to flight attendants. Uh, he also ordered the passengers to listen to the flight attendants because they represent, quote, his will in the cockpit. So, and his will is what matters, is what his messaging was. So, Nick, with all this unruly behaviorness and everything, do you think airlines should be quicker to ban passengers for their behavior? Or- Absolutely. I'll give you a secret. Many, many moons ago, I was actually a flight attendant for American Airlines. And so as a former crew member myself, I think there's just there should be zero tolerance for this kind of behavior and a strong message should be said that it's just not going to be accepted. There, and this should be a no brainer. Um, and as somebody that, that travels now as much as I do uh, as well because of my job, you know, I do see that um, uh, behavior myself sometimes when I've been on the planes. And and it's not always that intoxicated passenger or somebody that, you know, maybe you could tell is uh, on some sort of a substance or, some, uh, or something. Sometimes it's just uh, people with traumatic stress syndrome or, yeah. you know, whatever's going on in their personal life and you kind of see it manifesting as these things start to develop on the plane. And it, it just shouldn't be allowed, period. And a strong message should be sent that it will not be tolerated. I agree. This has been an ongoing issue now for years uh, since post-pandemic here when really flights really kind of took back off uh, and the whole mask debate. You kind of thought once masks were no longer mandatory that things would drop off a little bit, but they they really haven't. People are just angry at times and they really let it loose for whatever reason in the airports and on planes and to gate agents and everything. So I'm, I'm with it too. I think a quicker quicker move to ban people, maybe even an industry-wide, you know, airline-wide ban, depending on the level of, you know, unruliness, I guess. You got to set tears to that or whatever but yeah they need they need to get the nip this in the bud right just get this get this over with of this being yeah i was speaking with somebody uh recently uh, at an airport and she was telling me about how her friend you know she was traveling with her friend and 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 they acted like this and so uh, uh the airline banned them and i said well what does she do now and she said well her job requires a lot of travel i said i bet she regrets she says well she just switched to airlines and so you see where it's still not i mean there should be a, a cohesive collaboration between the FAA and between these airlines to say, if your behavior was bad enough, guess what? You're not just getting banned on this airline that you were flying on. You're getting banned on all of them. And I think that if they start sending that that, that bigger picture, that strong message, I think people may, may think twice about behaving like that. But right now, because the consequences, I don't think are as bad, you're, we're going to continue to see this behavior. I agree. Yeah. And I think we're going to have that from intoxicated people, but the rise of like people that aren't you know, under any influence of anything is is certainly alarming. And I think a stronger message would hopefully reduce 
those types of, of people because you're always going to have people that drink too much at the airports. It's just absolutely. Yeah, so. And rounding out what has been trending in travel, I go to some news about Airbnb and their booking prices and their profits are continuing to rise. They recently reported in the second quarter profits increased more than 70% uh, over one year earlier and reaching $650 million. The strong bookings for summer vacation rentals, which are up 11% over summer 2022, is really leading the way here. And also prices are uh, have increased as well for booking. But I mean, we, we know that prices are increasing everywhere. So Nick, I'm curious though, as an advisor, what are your thoughts on Airbnb? Look, I'm not going to mock it because Airbnb has done an, you know, an, uh, an incredible job uh, in uh, in taking over that space and, and continuing to evolve even from when they started to what it is today. Uh, and so uh, whether I, I like or don't like or approve or don't of Airbnb, uh, we can't take that uh, away from them. I certainly don't. Uh, but for me as an advisor, particularly working within the luxury space, and that's not to say, believe me, I've seen some incredible ultra luxury villas that are available to that platform as well. Um, and so the, the inventory is there, the luxury is there in my case. So you can't even argue, well, because I sell luxury, then there's not a place for this uh, for me. Where the issue lies for me as an agent, I think a lot of agents and why they don't want to book uh, Airbnb um, is because of the inconsistent standards and regulations that can, are still lacking within the Airbnb rentals as a platform, especially within the luxury space where the expectations of the customers are so high. You know, you have hosts that don't follow the same strict regulations, you know, like, uh, like a hotel does, and not just related to customer service, but also related to things like, you know, fires, uh, safety, security, especially once you get into these, you know, bigger uh, type uh, villa accommodations that may have, you know, more than one kitchen or, or elevators inside, um, you know, the, the kinds of villas and things that I sell, you know, when was the last time that these elevators were checked for safety? Uh, do these doors close properly? Do they have fire extinguishers? Because maybe the house has the, the big kitchen and then there's a chef's kitchen in the back for the staff and another kitchen somewhere else. When you're talking these large villas, um, you know, the alarm security systems, there's so many things that are inconsistent. You know, uh, we hear so many horror stories, even some of my own clients that have said, well, you know, they're going to book it anyway and do it on their own. And I've done, you know, maybe the rest of the trip and they booked that and they've had to call me in the middle saying, you know, get us out of here or the host canceled on us two days before leave. And now they have to end up booking, you know, uh, an alternative accommodation anyway at a much higher price. And so I think it's those inconsistent standards that keep a lot of travel advisors like me, you know, away or or at bay or are cautious uh, when it comes to Airbnb. Oh, a hundred percent. They miss out on on some of that luxury space for sure, just by not having that in. Maybe they need to, you know, brand off as a luxury a luxury sector of them. But a lot right. of advisors are going to stick with you know the villas that they know and they trust that they have been. You know, the villas of distinction, the rental escapes, uh, you know, those types of in in the business. And, you know. But again, yeah, people are going to book Airbnb when they want to. And obviously, we've seen that as their uh, profits and everything rise. But again, yeah, advisors save the day. That's that's what they're there for. That's what you guys do. And I know Absolutely. you do it quite a lot. So that is what is uh, wrapping up what is with trending and travel in the last week or so. A little bit. You know, there's always more that we can't touch on. So be sure to check out TravelPulse.com for all the news. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email, podcast at TravelPulse.com. So now we're going to jump over to our theme of the week on the rich and famous and how they travel. So Nick being an advisor to that and space and everything, uh, give us a little lay of the land. So the travel lifestyle of the rich and famous, what's it like? How do they travel? Are your private jets rising first in business class still going strong? What's, what's going on in all the land of the rich and famous travel space? 
Well, there's so much to say, but I will say just when I was thinking about this question, the first thing that comes to mind is, and uh, I'm sure other advisors would probably agree, is that I'm seeing a huge shift within this ultra luxury space um, where they want longer trips. They want trips on which they can relax. They don't want to rush into their plans. They want to embrace that local culture. Um, uh, usually these trips may even last for, for, for several weeks. And so that for me is a huge change because before, you know, most of these people that can travel at this level, whether they're high profile or a celebrity or an athlete, you know, they live such busy lives. Uh, chances are they're either, if they're my client, they're either a, a business owner or they are, you know, some sort of a, a, a social media personality or television or an athlete. And so because they travel for work, because they have so many engagements, it used to be where I found myself planning maybe one long trip a year during their defined vacation. But the rest of it was kind of really trying to work around these very hectic and chaotic schedules that most of these high profile people have. Yet in this new post-COVID world, I don't know what's happened that now you're finding that they're wanting these, you know, and they're using words like journey. They want a journey. <laughs> they don't want a trip. Uh, and they want that local. I said, well, how many days can, you know, that, that's going to require, you know, uh, 12 days. Uh, just thinking back to a conversation I had recently about an Egypt trip. And they said, oh, no, we were thinking 21 days. We have three weeks. And I thought, oh, wow, you know, this customer has never said that to me. Uh, and yet, yet again, the, another case of where things have changed and, uh, and they want that uh, longer time. So I would say one of the first things I could say is that uh, I have noticed that trend, if you will, and where they're wanting, um, you know, uh, longer vacations. Um, one thing that, that I could say, too, about this uh, segment, the amount of times uh, a year that they travel. So obviously, because these are, you know, uh, um, you know, high profile, usually that equals, you know, high income as well. Uh, you know, they're going to have that disposable income to travel and they do travel quite frequently. So um, a lot of times we'll have to have conversations, uh, you know, about, you know, their upcoming travel. I just met with a client this Sunday where we were kind of looking at the short term. What do we have for the next six months? And then long term planning. What are we doing for the next, uh, you know, uh, two years? And I think, you know, if I could give any advice to, you know, advisors out there, when you have these clients, make sure that you're having these conversations. Um, you know, we are their travel advisor. When you're dealing with clients that are in this space uh, that have, you know, this kind of money, this kind of net worth, they're used to having trusted advisors in all areas of their life. My clients have a fitness, you know, instructor. That's the person that they trust that they go to for their fitness. They have a nutritionist that they go to that helps design their menus. Maybe they have a chef that cooks for them. They have a financial planner that they trust, you know, with their investments and, and, what, and, and what that person says. Um, uh, and they have their, maybe their, their VIP doctor that they go to that they've entrusted their, uh, their health to, you know, uh, et cetera. And in, in our role, well, we are their trusted travel advisor. And so I think that that title is really, really prominent here in this space because they are looking for us to be their advisor and to advise and to kind of take charge and have those conversations and approach them and say, hey, I know what we're doing in the next six months. Let's talk about the next two years, what they look like. And when I did that this weekend with this couple, they're like, well, you know, the girls are six. They're going to be nine uh, in two years. So we're thinking, you know, maybe an African safari once they're a little bit older. So now I know to have that on the map. And we just kind of talked about what the next two years are going to look like for their travel. And it was such a great conversation. And so it was great for me because now I know I have more trips in the books. I'll also be more prepared. 
but it was also great for them because I could tell that they were really enjoying the conversation of having that advisor that's kind of having those discussions with them. Great sound advice on that. And two, with the trend on longer trips, you know, longer trips, more money, baby, right? That's good for the industry for sure. Um, I think I want to jump into the the flight aspect of things from, you know, on, on that. Is it predominantly private jets that you see or is it, because um, I know I've seen different releases about that of private jets rising and stuff because there's a, there's a lot more entering the space, I want to say on that. But, you know, are you finding Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many, you know, maybe email messages or, uh, you know, the uh, agents that, uh, that maybe follow me or find me on social media, whatever, will ask and say, hey, I, I have this request because maybe they've never had it or it's due to them before. You know, where do I go? Do you have any recommendations? And I'm getting lots of those, which tells me that uh, a lot of agents that maybe weren't getting these are getting those requests. I know for me in my business, um, ever since the pandemic, I mean, these, these people have always flown, you know, uh, uh, private. And so it's something that I've been exposed to before the pandemic. But after, you know, privacy is key. It's the new luxury is privacy. Uh, and so you see where there's this just, you know, increased demand for these charter flights to the point where a lot of times if the customer's travel plans are around, you know, a Super Bowl or a major uh, event like that, you can't even find a plane at any price. Uh, and so, yeah, the demand is there. And uh, I think it's up to us uh, travel advisors to make sure that we're articulating uh, to our customers. Because you know what? It's not always that, you know, high profile CEO of a big company or a celebrity that's going to charter that plane. When I look at the times that I've done it, there's some of those. A lot of those people own a plane. It's that customer that maybe sold this company and, uh, and now he wants to do a trip before he gets older with all the grandkids and his, and his uh, kids and their wives and their husbands and maybe do a, a family trip somewhere to the national parks and they just want to charter a plane to have that privacy. And so it's not always the celebrity client or, you know, that uh, super high profile person uh, that you, you would think, you know, is going to be the one to charter the plane. You'll find there's many people, maybe somebody says, you know what, Nick, it's our 50th wedding anniversary this is the time we've always wanted to do something like this. You know, uh, we just retired. And so this is the time and they're going to do that one landmark trip and they want to charter a plane for that. Or maybe it's a group of couples that, you know, they're high profile and, you know, they're going to blow, uh, you know, $3,000 or $5,000 or whatever on that, you know, uh, round trip first class ticket from, you know, Miami to uh, San Francisco because they're going to go to Napa. Well, how about saying, well, you know what, what if for, you know, you can double that amount or just a little bit more, but we can actually charter a jet for, for the five couples, for the 10 of you that are going and, and providing that option. Uh, and you'd be surprised how many of them, you know, uh, will jump on and say, you know what, that's something we're going to explore. And even if they don't, they love the fact that you brought it up. They love the fact that you gave them that option. And now they know I can also count on Nick to charter a plane, you know, that it's something that we do. I feel like many times, um, based on my experience, I, I lost a lot of those early on because I wasn't letting them know that it's something that, that I did. Um, and I make sure that they all know it now or that they know that maybe I just chartered a jet for somebody or I'll post somewhere on social media, you know, to send that message. Hey, this is something that I can assist you with as well. Uh, we have a lot of uh, contracts with different companies and different uh, providers that we can work with to seek the best value for you. Great tips there too. Yeah, being able to market yourself a little bit more on, you know, some of the elevated services that you offer can help provide to your clients out there. So yeah, you know, what's real interesting on that question, Eric, is that I have actually my sales in the uh, uh, of the charter jets has actually gone down um, uh, in the last uh, uh, six to eight months. 
And when I started to look at that and say, I wonder what's what's happening here because the requests are there. And I found that my three customers that were the ones that did it the most have all purchased a plane in the last uh, oh. six to eight months. <laughs> wow. uh, and so, yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, and again, privacy is key and it's something that they were all thinking about doing in the future and they've just all accelerated those plans. And uh, and they all three have shared with me that it's been actually very profitable for them because when they're not using their plane, they have it out for charter. There's such a demand. And so it's been a win-win. So it hasn't been great for me because I've lost some of that business. Uh, but uh, but it's certainly an indication for me of how strong that market is. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty pretty wild there on the private jet space. And as we talk more about, you know, rich and famous and the travel, do you have any unique stories that you can share or perhaps like mind-boggling travel experiences that would maybe seem out of this world to the average traveler out there or, or something super extravagant that you booked or, or had requested? Absolutely. I've seen all sorts of stuff from a client who wanted a, they were going on a cruise, uh, just a, you know, a short uh, Bahamas uh, three night weekend type cruise. And they were going to celebrate the daughter's birthday on the, uh, you know, the cruise line's private island, but they wanted a bounce house <laughs> uh, delivered to the private island and going through the logistics and how much does it weigh and how do we get it to the ship and are they going to allow it? Are they going to charge them? For, I mean, the, how do you get the electricity for the, the to, for the blower? I mean, all sorts of uh, requests to just recently um, I had somebody that was uh, flying to, uh, to Europe that were going to Paris and they said, we have a, a very special request. Can you please take care of this? My daughter's going to call you. I said, okay, sure, no problem. So the daughter calls and there was this optical where she wanted to have some glasses done. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is easy. I'll then I have to maybe set up an appointment or maybe a private, you know, where they come in early in the morning and have, you know, the, the boutique to themselves or, or in the late in the afternoon when they close, something like that. They want the boutique to come to them, to their suite, uh, at the George five at the four seasons in Paris. And so, you know, uh, coordinating all of that, reaching out to, to them, working with the, our partners at the hotel, you know, to make that happen with the concierge team. And I thought, I don't know, I'm going to pull this one off, but sure enough, you know, we pulled it off and they, they went to, to the client for a private viewing of their new, you know, uh, lunettes uh, collection. And so, you know, you, you, I, I, I've seen it all from, uh, I want to have a chiropractor to give us adjustments every three days uh, at 11 a.m. to be in our hotel room. Uh, you name it. What I find is that the more money they have, the more eccentric they are <laughs> and the more kind of uh, uh, bizarre uh, requests uh, uh, that I get. Uh, and some of them are your standard ones, too. Like I have a client um, that she has to have a blowout uh, every other day. And it's not even a matter of where I'm going to have that discussion to say what day. It's just like I discovered after doing a couple of trips for them, that is an expectation. And when I didn't do it, it's like, wait, you already knew this in our profile. Where's my blowout? Why isn't the person here? I don't even have to ask anymore. I already know that's the expectation. Her hair has to be done every other day. And so we have to arrange for that. And it can be a challenge sometimes because there may be a very unique boutique hotel where they're at that maybe doesn't have a salon or, you know, and this person's not going to go to the salon, right? Because they're a high profile. They want people to come to their suite so that they don't have to be out, you know, amongst uh, other people. Um, and so it can be a challenge sometimes, some of these uh, requests uh, that I get, uh, even if it's something as simple as a blowout. But, you know, when they're traveling all over the country, you know, getting somebody to come to the room, somebody that's vetted uh, for security reasons as well, uh, that, that, 
that's there at the right time. Maybe it's not somebody we contract with or something, but maybe based on a recommendation from a concierge, you know, how do you ensure that they're really going to show up? And what do I tell my client if this person doesn't come? It's, it's very stressful. Yeah, that sounds intense all for a haircut right there. Yeah. But that's how Baby some people live. services yeah. for their children. Uh, sometimes they're, you know, the whole resort may offer a kid's camp, but I'll be very quick to make sure they understand the hours. And they'll say, well, what do you mean the kid's time closes at five? I said, yeah. She says, well, call them back. How much do I have to pay to keep it open? I said, I don't think it's for sale. I think it just closes <laughs> at five. But, you know, but I'll have to go back because if I don't do it, they may find another travel advisor that does. And, you know, what I've learned and I continue to learn as I continue to evolve and, and niche myself more as a luxury agent is that you'd be surprised what money can do. Just when I thought, well, the hotel's going to think I'm crazy. I almost felt out of line for asking this uh, of one of our partners, like, who does this guy think he is that he's going to call and expect us to leave the club open because his client wants to pay. And so I almost didn't want to say anything for fear of being misinterpreted or being, you know, uh, uh, conceived as being disrespectful with one of our hotel partners. But what you'll find is sometimes it'll go that route. Other times they'll say, you know, Mr. Pena, let us know exactly what your client needs. Let's see how we can find a solution. Uh, and they'll charge them whatever, but they'll make it happen. And sure enough, I got this particular hotel to open their kids club for an extra hour for my client who was going to be coming back from a fitting uh, for some suits at some store. And, uh, and, you know, we made it happen. They charged them for it. They kept the employees there. And so I think that where you're going to thrive in this space is not letting any of these requests shock you and pushing through, asking, asking clarifying questions, working with our partners to make them happen. And you'd be surprised how many things I've been able to pull off by being persistent and asking clarifying questions and not being scared or intimidated by them and just saying, you know what, this is my customer. This is what they want. It may seem crazy or out of line to me, but that doesn't matter what I think. This is what they want. And my job is to deliver, right? And to execute. What's the next step? And then go from there. Right. Yeah. Money talks. Yeah. I, I was talking to yeah. one advisor. We did ran a story about a year or so ago on like wacky requests that, you know, they get from clients and things like that. And one person said they had a luxury client who was staying at a, a resort and they wanted a dolphin in their swim up pool. And, <laughs> you know, which can't be done, but, you know, they had to find ways to, you know, get them access to seeing a dolphin during their stay somehow. And it was, it was an elaborate story. And, it just, you know, made me chuckle. And it's one of the ones I think of all the time when we talk about, you know, extravagant requests and, you know, how much money can can move things and everything. So, yeah, recently I had somebody, the wife just refuses to fly on the uh, on the, the smaller you know, private jets when they're going, uh, you know, anything that's a flight that's going to be basically anything more than like a, uh, a transcon flight, you know, from the East Coast or the West Coast or something like that. Anything longer than that when they're going overseas, especially to Europe or whatever, um, you know, she just won't do it. She she feels more comfortable in being in one of the, the large planes with the airlines. And so j just recently, this couple, uh, they're I'm planning a trip for them. They're going to the UK because he is uh, custom building a Range Rover and they're going to, you know, pick the height of the leather and all of this stuff that they're doing for this very special car. Uh, and so they're going over there. And so, you know, we need to get them to the UK. And so um, they wanted a, a particular flight and, uh, uh, you know, British Airways. And they said, OK, obviously, they're going to fly in, in, in first class, of course. And uh, but they wanted to buy out the whole cabin. I said, well, there's already people booked in the cabin. We, we can't just, well, you know, talk to the airline, find out, you know. Uh, and uh, and he pushed and pushed and pushed, you know, uh, 
until we didn't quite make it happen, but we were able to find, you know, uh, another flight, uh, another day where, you know, there was only the one seat that was sold in that cabin. And so they were able to buy all of them and then they're, they're hoping this person cancels so that they can have, you know, that, that privacy. And so, uh, again, you know, I, I, I've seen it all. Wow. That is astonishing, but you know, like I said, money talks and if you can make it happen, you're going to have clients for a really long time there. So um, as we wrap up here, just any closing advice you want to pass on to fellow advisors on, you know, finding, landing, upselling, anything you want to close out here as we. Absolutely. I think one on uh, selling is you can't think with your wallet. I still hold myself accountable to that and I still fail. And I, 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 it drives me crazy when I do. Um, uh, but it's a learning every time. Uh, I lost a huge sale last year by not offering a villa. My client said he had sold his company and he wanted to up the ante to rent a villa every year uh, for the ski season uh, in, in, you know, in Aspen or Vail. And, uh, and they told me, I sold one of my companies. I want to go all out this year. I want something you know that's going to be a little larger, a little more luxe. And so I went out to find something um, that was you know, a little more luxe. And I came across, nothing was working. I kept sending options, nothing. They just didn't seem to like anything. And I did come across this one house. I mean, I started to get desperate with all of our partners. And I thought, wow, this is it. But then when I saw the price, I said, oh my God, this is crazy. No, I can't offer this. You know, I don't want my client to think I'm taking advantage. You know, I'm, I'm not going to send this. Would you believe that after sending, I mean, I must have sent over 40, 50 villas from all of our partners combined because I, you know, I got desperate at this point. They found that one house that I came across somewhere else I guess started conversations, sent it to me and said, hey, we found this. You know, we made the call. We got information. At that point, it was too late because of the uh, realty laws in Colorado. And it, they, they booked it through another channel because at that point, the owners could no longer, you know, give it to me because somebody else had made contact, whomever my client called on the Internet. And it was the house, I guess, where the Kardashians stay when they go there. And um, it was seven times what my client normally spends. And they rented this house for a five-day rental for $350,000. And I did see this house. But when I saw the price tag, I said, I'm not going to send that. I never want to give the impression that I'm taking advantage. And so you constantly learn that you can't think with your wallet. Send what you think and then send that $350,000 and say, hey, I know this may be out of the budget, but it's such a beautiful home. I just wanted to send you so you can see, you know, what the different options are in the market at the different price points, because you never know who's going to buy. And the second thing I could say is, you know, people say, where do I find these people? You have to go where they are. So you have to go to the country club. You have to go to a fundraiser and pay that $500 ticket to have that chicken dinner for the cancer gala or whatever it is that you're passionate about. Go where these people are. You're going to find them. You're going to give them your card. You're going to network and you will do business with them. Great advice on that. I appreciate it, Nick. Where can people get in touch with you or uh, follow you on social media? All that good stuff. You guys can find me. I'll come right up. Nick Pena on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm the Cuban cruise guy and uh, would love to have you. Thanks so much, Nick. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Hopefully you didn't have any uh, crisis has come up in the last 30 as we've been chatting here on all those uh, high profile clients that uh, rely on you for so much, man. So far, so good. All right. That's good, man. Thanks, Nick. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. We'll be talking budget travel. And at the end of the month, I'll be on location in Jamaica. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Thank you.